Welcome to 7-Minute Hepatology. Today I'm joined by Dr. Gulum Hussain, who's a hepatologist at UHM. Welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Rohit. So today we want to talk about managing pruritus in cholestatic liver disease. So could you go a little bit about how you approach this? Yeah, sure. I mean, most commonly in cholestatic liver disease, um, pruritus will be related to the intrinsic disease. But I think first you have to clarify whether there's any other competing causes of itch, whether there be something dermatologic, whether be there be sort of psychological issues that are contributing to symptoms, whether there be allergic phenomenon, etc., um, but most common in some, most commonly in someone who has cholestatic liver disease, it's related to the um, the underlying disease. And then you sort of think about disease control and symptom management. Certainly, itch is very um, important as it relates to quality of life of patients. So, um, intentional treatment of it is important. So, do you have a particular workup when you're trying to exclude other causes? I think if it's obvious based on the clinical history and based on the clinical presentation, then I don't necessarily look for secondary causes. On history, you ask about rash, obviously, um, um, sort of exposure-related things, allergic phenomenon. Um, But if it's pretty typical, such as in a PVC patient or a PSC patient, then I usually just move on to treatment. And so what would be your first line? In terms of first line, I mean, I think I generally use a stepwise approach to therapy. We don't have a lot of effective therapies for pruritus in cholestatic liver disease, so it's important to maximize use of each agent that you pick. Um, I usually start with a bile acid resin like cholestyramine or cholestipol to start with. And do you advise anything in particular to patients um, regarding this medication? Yeah, I mean... Um, these these agents are pretty effective in managing mild itch. Certainly, as it gets more moderate or severe, they can be a little bit challenging. But but side effects related to bile acid resins are common. GI upset is common. Tolerability is the main thing. Um, so cholestyramine, in terms of dosing, um, you need to be sure that it doesn't interact with other agents that they're on. So especially things like ursodiol in patients on uh, with PVC, it needs to be separated from the ursodiol by four hours. I generally tell them to take it um, 30 minutes before breakfast, uh, which is when it's most effective, um, and and be consistent about taking it, but also making sure that they separate it from their other therapies. Perfect. Uh, and then what would be your stepwise ladder that you like to use? Sure. So if, if first-line agents aren't working, so then it kind of goes back to what you were asking before, um, do you think about other things? So I always sort of revisit the differential, make sure that there's nothing else contributing to the itch. And sometimes if you're not 100% sure whether it's all disease-related or um, something else, I, I check a bile acid level and see whether that's elevated. Um, I think it's important in particularly diseases like PVC to remember that disease control doesn't always correlate with symptom control. And so someone can be com- in have a complete response to ursodiol and have entirely normal liver tests with no evidence of fibrosis and look picture perfect on blood tests, but be really debilitated by their symptoms. Um, so addressing it in a stepwise manner and ensuring that you're actually um, using the drugs effectively is important. So I start with cholestyramine for sure. Um, and then next, I tend to use uh, rifampin in someone who doesn't have a significant underlying liver disease. Rifampin is a little bit more tricky to use only because of the small, albeit real risk of 
drug-induced liver injury, which I generally quote as somewhere between the literature would say between 5 and 15-ish percent. Um, but when it happens, it can cause severe icteric uh, liver disease. And so you need to you need to be careful. It requires a little bit of monitoring and certainly has some side effects like anemias and, and fluid discoloration of the bodily fluids. Um, so that needs to sort of, it's a little bit more high maintenance than the other drugs. Um, after rifampin, I think about using agents like sertraline, uh, particularly in patients with comorbid psychosomatic symptoms or depressive symptoms. Um, sertraline is useful. It's pretty easy to use. I start at about 50 milligrams a day and up titrate, usually to not more than 100 or maybe 150 milligrams a day. Um, naltrexone is next on the sort of theoretical ladder. It's a little bit hard to access in a lot of centers and can't be used uh, in advanced liver disease. So I don't tend to use naltrexone very frequently. Um, but then more and more, I'm using um, gabapentin um, as an adjunctive therapy to itch management because it's generally pretty safe. It's easy to use. It has a really wide dose range that you can use. So anywhere from 300 milligrams nightly, which is what I start at, but you can up titrate to as high a dose as 3,600 milligrams, which I've never reached, but certainly there's, there's a wide range of dosing and slow up titration is often pretty effective um, for patients with cholestatic liver disease. So I would say most common, if you, if you come into my clinic, you'll see that most commonly patients are on cholestyramine and gabapentin just because of the ease of their use. Um, but rifampin is certainly a drug that in someone who has severe pruritus is very effective, just needs to be monitored closely. So in patients who have intermittent um, pruritus, from a gabapentin point of view, do you say that they should take it regularly or do you say that you can come off it when your symptoms re resolve? Yeah, I think all symptom management is sort of as needed. So I tell patients that their disease control agents have to be obviously every day. But when it comes to symptom management, they can take um, they can take drugs as they need them and stop them when things get better. If it if thing if things get better, it usually suggests to me that there's something superimposed happening because a cholestatic itch is usually pretty consistent. It's most common in patients with sort of ductopenic illnesses, particularly those high-risk PBC patients who have really troublesome itch. And those patients you'll see will never be able to come go on and off therapy. But in someone with a mild itch who sort of has aggravations at certain time of year, et cetera, et cetera, they can take and they can escalate therapy when their itch is worse and back off on therapy when, when itch is better. I don't think it has a, a huge impact on, on symptom control in the long run. And then in decompensated cirrhosis patients, um, do you have a particular drug of choice? Again, I, I'm pretty consistent about using cholestyramine and gabapentin frequently because they, they tend to be easy to use and safe. Um, even rifampin you can use in patients with advanced disease. It just needs to be monitored. The only one that I tend to avoid, not only because of advanced disease, but also because you're not really able to access it, is naltrexone. And so if you had to recommend one paper to read on this topic, what would you recommend? There's a lot of good review articles. I'd say the, the one that I look to most um, is there's a review in Frontline Gastro in 2015 by Dr. Jones out of Newcastle that, as the senior author that's pretty um, easy to read and useful. And then beyond that, I think the easel guidelines are pretty helpful in terms of the ladder and the stepwise approach. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much.